What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Volcanic Takes, with an emphasis on those first three sad letters that uh, highlight a team that is fighting for five hundred this weekend in Fayetteville. Uh, it's not the the Houston Nut Philip Fulmer days of Arkansas. In Tennessee, no, it is a who's going bowling era of Tennessee and Arkansas, and to figure out what's going to happen this weekend, I am joined as I am every week by Ryan Shepard of the UT Daily Beacon. Ryan, good morning, good early afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you? I uh, I appreciate you having me on. I, I don't think we're going to have I don't know what what Tennessee fans call it the greatest game that ninety eight Arkansas. Uh, Tennessee game with the stumble and fumble. I don't think we're going to have any uh, anyone playing for that much significance on Saturday, but it it could could be an entertaining game between two teams that seem pretty evenly matched. So you think they're evenly matched? Like, how do you lay that out? What um, when you're doing the preview this week? What were you seeing that was pretty pretty on the on the same playing field? Well, I look at first starting offensively. I think they're both uh, a little bit limited in what they can do. Now, I think. That's somewhat different things. Obviously, Tennessee, number one there, falls on, on the quarterback position and some on the receiver play as well. That hasn't been at all times great through the first half of the season. And I don't think Arkansas is great at quarterbacks. quarterback, though. I believe Felipe Franks is definitely an upgrade over Garantano. But they're limited on the offensive line. They're, they're not – haven't really been able to consistently put much together on offense all season. And then I turn and I look at their defense. I think their defense is, has been better than Tennessee's this season. But they do lead the SEC in turnover margin. They've had, I believe, seven t- turnovers in the Ole Miss game or takeaways in the Ole Miss game and four in their win over Mississippi State. So they've been very dependent on, on forcing turnovers to win. And I just overall, looking at them, I see, I see some similarities in the teams. Yeah, I... It, the Felipe Frank stuff, we, we know about his history at Tennessee at this point. Um, this time it'll be yeah. not with Florida. But I just wonder what's going to look different about this offense with two weeks off. What do you suspect will look different coming out of the gate? Like, what do you think they will have installed that's going to be like, oh, this is something that they've been working on clearly for two weeks? That's a good question. And one that creativity hasn't been the strength of Jim Chaney this season. No. Um, I, I, I think we talked about it some last week. I could really see them coming out and throwing the ball a lot more down the field, taking more shots, trying to throw some more 50, 50 balls, just to try to create some big plays. Cause we talked about that last week, last week, they'd struggled to do so. And they really haven't even been able to create much chunk plays in the running game. That's been a big disappointment of the running game. I think their longest run on the season is just 22 yards and they have just a handful of them between 15 and 22 yards. So I could see them throwing the ball down the field some and trying to, create some chunk plays that way, trusting uh, the receivers to make some go out and make some plays. 
Yeah, I, I just the way it, it is interesting that both these offenses are pretty anemic um, when you think about what they're bringing to the table, and it's kind of weird that Arkansas, the one thing that we all thought was going to be a sure thing for the Hogs in 2020 was Rakeem Boy was going to be awesome for them, and they were going to have to rely pretty heavily on him to survive this rough slate, and that has not been the case. I don't really understand what's gone on there with Rakeem Boyd and why he has had such a down year in Arkansas. Well, he has missed a little bit of time with injury. I think he just came back. I think maybe one game before the A&M game, maybe it was just last week. I know he has missed, missed some times with injury, so that's, that's certainly been some of it, and he came back and played well last week running for 100 yards. And when you talk about the two offenses being anemic, I, I agree with that, but the one area where I'll give the slight edge to Arkansas is they have they're a little more dynamic in the run game. They they play Traylon Smith and Rakeem Boyd together some, and Felipe Franks has, has shown the ability to run and keep it on the read option play and keep teams honest, which Jarrett Garantano does not do. Yeah. It is weird that Garantano, it's just not, not in his nature. Um, do you think Bryce Thompson is going to be assigned Traylon Burks for the majority of this game? Not particularly, because I... I just, for the most part, from what we see them do, they just they like to plant them on one side, and either Alante Taylor or or Kenneth George across from them. So I, they haven't done it to this point this year where they've shadowed receivers. They didn't do it with George Pickens, so they didn't do it with Devontae Smith after Jalen Waddle went down. Though obviously Alabama has just tons and tons of guys, so I would I wouldn't think so, but I could be wrong in that they could move them around some. I am interested to see what they do if they get in a position where it, it just he if it's taylor if it's george whoever is just getting toasted by by him like what what do they do does does pruitt change things up a little bit um do you expect a big game from deandre johnson not particularly there hasn't that's a problem that's actually, you know that is a problem that's one of the things i i wrote about and for our keys and predictions it should be up here in an hour or so um is Tennessee has to find a way to get to the to the get some pressure on the quarterback. Felipe Franks has been better this year, but he's still a guy that panics a little bit when you get pressure on him. And Tennessee hasn't done that. Tennessee's really had no one besides since DeAndre Johnson did it in the South Carolina game, who's consistently been able to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think that's a key a big key to the game is doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be DeAndre Johnson, but someone has to be able to show consistent pressure for, on Felipe Franks and could it be DeAndre Johnson? Sure, but if I'm as a as a betting man, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that based off what we've seen from him the past four weeks and really his whole career besides that South Carolina game. Yeah, I that's just been one of the weirder parts about this team is just um the lack of pass rush and the amount of time that every quarterback has just had to to just do whatever they want against this secondary. And I just I don't know if it improves down the line. I don't know if they have guys that um, can step up in this role because it just seems like DeAndre Johnson is being tasked with doing that, and it's just not not happening. Um, there have been some positional changes um, in the two weeks off, correct? Some, some, some tinkering, some moving around. Nothing too much with with main guys, but uh, who's a moved around? Bit, they're, they're, well, they've they've been moving D back with around. He's uh, it looks like settling back into running back after he's been at tied in receiver um, really the whole season. And, and that's really been, been the main one unless I'm, I'm missing one on, I guess on defense they've had uh yeah, that's the other one. Um, 
going blank on his name, the outside linebacker, freshman, not Tyler Barron, uh, guy from down in Florida. Goodness, this is killing me. Um, goodness, can't remember his name. But yeah, outside linebacker, yeah. he was from Florida, got him over Florida State and Ole Miss on signing day. Can't remember his name. And they're moving him around. He's playing some inside linebacker and kind of being more of a, a just a sole third-down pass rusher when he plays outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, do you suspect we're going to have a big Josh Palmer game? I think, I, you know, like I said, I could really see them taking some shots down the field, and I think if they do that, Josh Palmer's going to be the number one guy targeted. So he's been one of the few players on this Tennessee team that's, that's been consistent. He's really played well in every game besides the Kentucky game, I guess, which we all saw the quarterback play on that game. It's hard to point too much fingers at the receivers. So he's a guy I think they'll target a lot. And I really think with some of the problems, Arkansas's defenses had some given up some big plays. I think, I think Josh Palmer could have a big game. More what, than Joseph. That's who I was thinking of. Who has been moving around more hmm. than Joseph. Couldn't, couldn't remember his name, but he's played sparingly some this year. He's, he's had, I think three or four tackles, a couple in the Missouri and a couple in the Georgia game, but it could be an interesting uh, piece to see. If Jeremy Banks, you know, he's questionable. If he doesn't go, we could possibly see some work from him at inside linebacker for the first time this season. Hmm. Um, what is the battle you're most interested in, in watching on Saturday? That's a good question. I, I think it's probably going to be Tennessee's offensive line. They obviously have been disappointing to this, this part of the season. I think they're going to get a little more healthy with having Jerome Carvin available on Saturday. Trey Smith is a guy that you look at last season and all the challenges he has of playing with blood clots. He's a guy that's gotten a lot better as the season went on. And I think he's a guy with the bye week. I think that's, you could see some real growth there for that unit. And I think they're going to need it a lot Saturday. Frankly, I think Tennessee is going to have to be able to establish a run game against an Arkansas defense. that has been pretty, pretty stout against the run for most of the season. Granted, They've played some high-passing offenses in Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but you look at that Georgia game to start the year, they played great in that game, and they've been good up front for for most of the season. Yeah, I am interested in seeing how that unfolds. Um, If you were to guess whether or not we see more than one Tennessee quarterback in this game, what would you guess? I would guess no, but I really would not be surprised in the slightest if you saw – Brian Maurer would be my guess as he would be the backup if you were to see a second person. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, but you know, just having to say, I would say guess that they play Garantano the whole game because they've really this season seemed to be a little more tentative to make the change mid-game. But we talked about it earlier. This Arkansas team has forced a lot of turnovers, and Tennessee has turned the ball over a lot this year if that starts happening early in the game saturday or really any point in game saturday i i could see tennessee making the move there's just so much pressure riding on this game we went through the schedule last there, week i i just this there's just so much pressure the two weeks off how they look coming out of a two-week bye how they how prepared they look how how much has changed in two weeks like this is this is a pinnacle moment of the season and I think we're going to see more than two quarterbacks. I think Garantano already has a short leash. I think the leash is going to be extremely, extremely short in this game. I, I would be shocked if we don't see more than one quarterback. You think it will be Brian Maurer? That'd be your guess? <sighs> yeah, because it seems like they have no interest 
and throwing a true freshman out there, especially against this defense. I would be surprised if it was Bailey. I don't think Shroud is uh, is getting back in there anytime soon. I think uh, that one's over. I think that uh, the duck ball will be our lasting memory of the JT experience uh, this year. Um, We got, we got to listen to them, all the hype of him being the for sure backup quarterback all, all fall camp, all summer, only for him to get in there for two plays and look pretty much like what we've seen from him in the past, pretty expected, and then we'll never see from him again. He's not even going to be a competing for the backup job. You want more confusion on how Tennessee's handled their quarterback situation this year. That's very puzzling there. Yeah, when we were doing the... Something I was thinking about a lot too um, when we were doing the this week's preview for the full ride. Um, something I was thinking about with just going through different teams and thinking about different teams around the country. There are so many freshman quarterbacks. Like Clemson just inserted DJ Uele. That's how it's pronounced. His his pronunciation is. Um, he just he's fine. Like immediately, and it was clear that he got enough reps. It's not like he had any kind of rapport with any of those Clemson guys going into that game like he it's all Trevor Lawrence all the time and he steps right in I understand Clemson is the best college football program in the country I understand it's a little bit different but they had the same amount of practice time that Tennessee's getting they have the same amount of just time with their young quarterbacks who aren't getting chances but they plug them right in and it's fine I don't know why Tennessee thinks that that's a good rationale as to why they shouldn't use Bailey or that Bailey or the quarterback situation is as much of a mess as it is right now because there are enough opportunities for these guys to make the most of it. Like, I I just, I don't think that's a good reason. There's a lot of true freshman quarterbacks that are excelling right now around the country and there are teams that are not afraid to pull the trigger if need be um i i just i don't i don't buy that line of thinking that garantano is just so much better than everybody else that they shouldn't be able to answer for what's going on with the guys behind him i i don't i don't think that's a a real excuse yeah i think there's there's certainly some just flawed there's a flaw in the thought process of it because you've it's clear the reason they're continuing to play Jared Garantano is they don't feel like the other quarterbacks are ready. They don't have a grasp of the offense. But like you're, you look at college football today, one, like you just were talking about, there are a ton of freshman quarterbacks. Two, it's not very hard to score. Now it's harder no. in the SEC. I get that. But defensive back play is not very good. You can simplify your offense and make things simple for a talented quarterback, especially like Brian Maurer, a guy that can run the ball some too. Now, granted, we saw him start a couple games last year, and it wasn't all great. But he's a guy that there just doesn't seem to be a, a want to commit to him and ride it out through some of the mistakes because he has a talent level that Harrison Bailey may have, and we haven't seen it. But Jared Garantano doesn't have. J.T. Shrout doesn't have. And you can simplify things, and you can make the offense – capable of running and capable of not being uh, what's the uh, cheesecake factory menu instead of a Waffle House menu. You can yeah. simplify things and, and make it a little bit easier on your, on your young quarterback, which is where Tennessee seems to not want to do that by any stretch of the imagination. They want to run what they have in their, in their playbook, and they want to have the whole playbook available. It seems flawed to me, but that's just uh, one man's opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at Wisconsin, immediately with Graham Mertz, he comes in, true freshman, and excels. Like, he almost breaks a completion record on Friday night against Illinois. It's just like, I don't think, I just, I really don't think it's a thing. And you see Washington, they're going to start Baby Garbers, uh, not Chase Garbers, down there in Cal. I know the game got canceled, but it looks like Ethan Garbers is at the top of that depth chart in Washington. They're like, hey... He's a four or five star. I can't remember which one. I think he's a four star. But um, they have a new offensive coordinator in Donovan, and they are going to see what happens. I I don't understand why you can't just see what happens and why at this point when you're two and three that you can't just throw different guys out there and can't get other guys ready and can't get a new offense installed for a different quarterback. Um, and like you said, the simplify thing, like adjusting to what you have seems like something that Pruitt and Cheney do not want to do is adjust to what you actually have on offense. Yeah, I would agree, agree with that. And another example of is Connor Bezalak in Missouri. You're talking yeah. about a guy who wasn't a big recruit at all. And he's come in and he's had to let the let, let the world on fire, but he's playing on a very below average team and he's been pretty solid. I'm looking at stats right now. Just has, that interception he threw in Tennessee game is the only interception this season. He's been very solid. He's had over 200 yards in every single game he's started in, and even the Tennessee game where he came in the second quarter, he threw for 200 yards. It, he's been solid. He's not – you can just simplify your offense. It's, it doesn't have to be as complicated as Tennessee makes it at times, I think. Auburn was just like, yeah, we'll just go with Bo Nix for a full season. Let's just ride it out. We'll we'll take the good and the bad. And obviously he had a great game last weekend against LSU, but like – if you're going to bring in somebody like that, you just just play them, especially with the guys when the guys you have in front of them. It's not like you have a Jake Fromm in front of them that's blocking it. Jared Garantano is not Jake Fromm. There's no one that you really like. There's no big loss here if you just installed Harrison Bailey the rest of the way. No Tennessee fans will be upset if they go. This is something else I think about. It's like no Tennessee fans will be upset if they started Harrison Bailey after the bye here on out just change things for him just to see what they had down the stretch and if they still went three and seven fans would be like hey at least they changed course and they gave it a shot yeah. with the young guy if you go three and seven with Jared garantano down the stretch they're like what the hell was the point of that and we just wasted a year of just seeing what we had in harrison bailey or even brian mauer like that is something that i think they'll have to answer for because like we've talked about in this podcast like they're just boring and and been bad you don't want to be boring and bad, yeah. and that is where they're at. And I, I don't know. It might come back to bite them. It might not. Maybe Garantano is really good, and the offense just comes out firing, and they just they blow out um, Arkansas. Like that is a possibility. Tennessee is. <laughs> I, I just nothing would surprise me about this group right now. Like if they blew out Arkansas, it would not blow my mind. It would just be like, of course they did. Sure all right, I guess we're going to do this in the second half of the season. They figured some stuff out. Okay. It's it's like you said, it's, they're just so inconsistent, especially just because Jared Garantana is so inconsistent. You can get a different quarterback every single week. And sometimes it leads to him throwing 400 yards like he did at Missouri last year. Now it hasn't led to that a ton, but a lot of times it has led to him playing winning football against teams of this caliber of the South Carolina, Missouri, Arkansas, that sort of caliber team that Tennessee can beat by just playing winning football, not playing great. But at the same time, we've seen him turn around and 
lose Tennessee games like he did in the BYU game last year and he did in the Kentucky game this year. So you just don't know what to expect from him, and it, it makes every every Saturday a bit of a guessing game, honestly. Yeah. Well, to wrap up here, what do you what do you think happens on Saturday? What is your final prediction for tomorrow night in Fayetteville? I have gone back and forth all week and woke up this morning thinking I was going to pick Arkansas before I started writing my predictions article. But the turnovers, the, the ability that Arkansas really hasn't – they've won two very narrow games when they've been plus – believe it's seven in turnover margin in those two games I think and Tennessee's been coming good coming out of buys and Jeremy Pruitt's two years with the Auburn win obviously his first year and then they had two buys last year they came out and while they lost that Georgia game they played a lot better in that Georgia game than they had been up to that point in the season and they played well in the Missouri game and won so all that Arkansas coming off a big game against Texas A&M I think Tennessee narrowly squeaks one out 23 to 21. They just cover for you. Um, I'm like you where I've gone back and forth on this. I, My biggest thing here is I just so much is riding on it that like if I bet against them here, like I'm predicting the second half of the season to dumpster fire and there's going to be real changes um, in Knoxville after the season. Because um, I just think if they lose this game, there's no way around three and seven. There just isn't. And... I I think that's a disaster for everyone involved. Um, I think they win here. I think they come out, and I actually think they, they win pretty big. I'm, I'm going to say Tennessee has like their most enjoyable game of the season and beat Arkansas, let's say, 38-21. I'm going to say 38-21. <laughs> This is going to be right. like South yeah. Carolina, but like a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little, a little bit more crisper on offense. Yes, that's what I would guess. A little more consistent. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I do think I, I can South Carolina is better than Arkansas, right? Like, do we think South Carolina is better than Arkansas? I'm. I've been of the of the state that Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss. Mississippi State's probably a little bit worse, and Auburn's probably a little bit better. All those teams are very equally below average. Any any given Saturday, what, any of them could beat any other of them by two touchdowns, but just some very average teams in, in that group to, to below average, in my opinion. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I'm excited because I think this is going to be a very interesting Saturday no matter what. Um, and we'll learn a lot about this team. We'll learn about a lot about the state of the SEC East in general with the cocktail party. So it's going to yeah. be fun. I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. Um, and also tonight, my favorite game of the week is actually happening tonight. Boise versus uh, BYU. Zach Wilson, his old uh, committing grounds with uh, Boise versus uh, Bachmeyer, Jack Sears, uh, the Blue Field. Um, I don't think they've ever actually won in Boise. So if they keep their undefeated streak alive, alive I, I want to see it. Yeah, I would actually convince myself that game was last night. So it was like 8.30. <laughs> I was looking on the ESPN app. And I was looking for it. And I was getting confused and then realized it was tonight. But no, it's, it, that is a, uh, that's a good weeknight college football game. It should be exciting. Uh, probably the first uh, real test for BYU this year. But they've been pretty impressive. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, all right, Ryan, this has been great as always. Uh, we will be back uh, next week. Go balls. Go balls. Appreciate you having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.